All right, computer, continue personal log. All right, time for one more test on the lateral sensor alignment, and it is holodeck time. I booked my slot with Ensign Joe so we could have a double block. He should be getting the program prep so we don't waste any... What the fuck is that? Greetings, fellow hero! Are you prepared for a day of rip-roaring adventure? No. 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 D dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Did you seriously book us to do Tom's hokey-ass, old-timey, Flash Gordon bullshit? Absolutely not. What's wrong, chum? Why not head out with Captain Proton? Because it's not even good escapism. It's a simulation where we A, have ray guns, B, fly through the universe, and C, face off against space Nazis. Joe, I'm doing that shit in my real life every goddamn paycheck, okay? This entire quadrant is exclusively made up of space-time butthole and jackbooted fucks with shit on their foreheads, all right? And seriously, what the fuck is with that music? Pete, Pete, dude, you know the Delaney sisters are super into this, right? Um, what? Yeah, man, um, they, uh, they like to dress up like these BDSM mistresses or some shit. Jenny literally had the thigh-high boots under her console ready to go when I said we were going to try it out. Fuck, thigh-high? I love that. Wait. Jenny isn't the shy one, is she? No, dude. Megan's the shy one. Jenny is not shy. She's also very available, and she was prepared to fuck Turbo Wentz and Harry Kim, so uh, I like your chances there. It sounds like this is a job for Captain Proton. special episode of Vija, please! A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-pilot, Peter. Or should I do the old-timey voice? No, that's okay. I promise I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to just get into this one, man. What did we watch? Season 5, episode 12, Bride of Chaotica. This is considered the, uh, by many, one of the funniest episodes of Star Trek, possibly the best holodeck episode of Star Trek. I certainly believe it is. Now that you've seen it, what do you think, man? I just, I gotta know. I'll give it one of the funniest hands down. I don't know if I'd say it's one of the best holodecks. It, yeah, yeah, it's one of the best holodecks. I don't know if it's the best holodeck, uh, but it is the best Berman era camp I think we've seen. Uh, and it was able to drag us into a very humorous situation with a plot that kept things feasible and it wasn't uh your typical ramrod episode where we want to do a thing and it doesn't make sense and we're just going to do the fucking thing anyways and fuck you for thinking twice about it everything about this episode is just perfectly constructed because when you're having fun everything kind of just flows better right so 
it the the meta jokes are good the use of the holodeck is good the use of the premise of the 40s flash gordon style serial is great the music is perfect like they get everything clicking with this episode in a way that uh just makes it a a comedic delight uh i if i would ask subtitle for this episode it would be uh the triumph of kate mulgrew's face because yeah. so much of the comedy is just locked into Kate Mulgrew for a lot of this episode, specifically her just reactions to shit. <laughs> it's perfect. You know, it's interesting to me that the origin of this episode kind of came as a necessity. Uh, I don't have the full details. Maybe you do. But apparently this episode was written specifically to keep the camera as far away from Voyager's bridge as possible, that there was a... Um, real world set fire that damaged the bridge set and they needed time to do repairs. So they went this angle, which, you know, relied heavily on easily put together, impressive forties era Hollywood sets. Well, the tragedy of this episode to me is that somehow this went without an Emmy nomination, like the art design costumes like everything about it, it, the music in particular just is amazing. The way they were able, not only what they, they composed, but how they used it in the episode, like with the dramatic timing. It's somehow this all just got missed for Emmys that year. And that's that's a crying fucking shame, which is it funny because you look at some of the other stuff that Voyager has had Nami emanations for. And there are some real stinkers in there. I think what well, didn't like time and again get a nomination for like hair costume or something silly yeah i don't know and whatever yeah i agree there, there was a lot of fun stuff here and uh that's a rough snub um we open up right in the thick of it and this is our third time now i want to say dealing with uh captain proton right correct we had it in night we had it in uh the prisoner's dilemma episode 30 days and mm-hmm. here so um, third time this season yeah so we start off right in the black and white filtered uh, confines of Captain. No, actually, I think we open right up in uh, Chaotica's palace, right? Yeah, it's a literal uh, teaser for the episode of the serial, uh, which uh, shows uh, Constance Goodhart. Uh, that Hello, actress- Constance Goodhart. <laughs> The actress that I am certain was hired because of two reasons. One of which she's very good at screaming, because that's all of her lines. Her lines three are always reasons then. Screams, yes, and reasons two and three were on full display. Hmm. Um, it's done in the old timey style of the teaser of telling you what happened last episode to get you hyped for this episode, which is being watched by Tom and Harry. Which Harry points out, like, wait a second, that didn't actually happen last episode. This is. This is false advertising to which uh, Tom tries to reassure him that, you know, it's all part of the dramatic license of of the uh, of the era. You know, you uh, play a little fast and loose with the rules to get people to watch, you know, like when Star Trek Voyager tri- tricked you into thinking the captain was literally <laughs> going to prostitute herself on behalf of her crew. And then that's what, that I all what the episode of. was about. Yep. Good old. Uh, what was that? Um, resistance. Resistance. Yeah. And I guess that's the other another aspect of the humor of this episode. The the self references are also great, you know, deceptive marketing, reuse of sets. 
I mean, the most meta of meta jokes is that, you know, they start the episode and they crash land the rocket after Dr. Chaotica shoots them down and they come out to the K the hell caves set, which is the classic Trek, uh, you know, standby for you're on an alien planet in some caves. Uh, and, uh, Harry bitches about how they look exactly like the sets from the last episode. And Tom explains, well, you know, sets are expensive. You got to reuse what you have available to you. Try make a little different each time. So it represents a different place. Like I, I, I got a real good laugh out of that joke. Uh, my wife didn't really understand it, but you know, we have certainly pointed out more than our fair share at the heavy reuse of the planet hell cave system. Um, there's also some good dialogue here where Harry's kind of like, all right, well, what do we, what are we doing in this one? And Tom begins rattling off what the order of operations are going to be for this. And uh, Harry kind of cuts him off and says, well, hold on, man. I thought you said there's going to be slave girls. I'm like, <laughs> that's kind of like, you know, oh, 2020 wokeness or whatever. But like, sure, with the 2020 wokeness, like, damn, Harry, that's that's kind of dark. Hey, listen, you go to the you go on an adventure with Tom on the holodeck. You better expect sex bots. Yeah, and Harry knows what to expect. Girls, He's man, like, let's... where where be the sex bots? Where be the chained up girls uh, to be taken advantage of? This scene also establishes uh, an important fact that is going to play out the rest of the episode that Tom is intimately familiar with the entire run of Captain Proton uh, that he knows the storyline for each of these installments uh and basically uh as i will suggest our title should be for this episode is tom is a metagamer all right we've got a shared history in some some role-playing games <laughs> okay nobody wants to be around the guy who already read the the campaign module and i've told the story before and i'll tell it again now this is like junior high we were playing fucking palladium which was like worse version of Dungeons and Dragons. Nobody really wanted to be there. It was kind of a crappy thing. Uh, the storyteller, game master, dungeon master, whatever he was, goes off to go to the bathroom, and Jim Ujic, just my buddy Jim, picks up the 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 manual, reads, puts it down, and when the DM get the dungeon master gets back, he's like, "Okay, well, I, I go back two rooms and I check the rock behind the stairs, and I get the key and I lock the door." And like the dude's just looking at him like you. You're cheating. You read the story. We're all just like, okay, I guess we're not playing anymore. But that's Tom in this. Like, what, Tom, what are you even doing playing this fucking thing if you know how it's all supposed to go? Like, what a dry J.O. fantasy this has become. <laughs> well, keep in mind, the, the I think that you're missing a key, how, how far the metagaming goes. Uh, Tom made these programs. They're based on a serial that is quote unquote real in the Trek universe. Uh, but Tom created holodeck programs out of them. So it's like he wrote the supplement and is playing through it. He oh, didn't just read it. Like Patrick he's Stewart. Author. He's like Patrick Stewart getting to direct himself in his own starring role now, huh? Hmm. Except except far more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Tom says, all right, listen, we got to cut through some caves and do some other stuff. They trot along. They get in a little encounter with some. I don't know if they're supposed to be mole people or what, but they gun them down. There's a little oh, no, sadism. Bef bef before that is when they run it uh, into the uh, 
the subspace buttholes. So uh, before they run into anybody else, there's like a, a tremor and they're like, what's that? You know, you said there wasn't going to be a volcano in this one. And Harry looks around. And he's like, uh, Tom, pretty sure those things are in color. So they're not supposed to be here. And there's these tiny little portals that are opening up. And that's, you know, when they end the, uh, the pretty long teaser on the episode uh, with uh, there is a space problem. And so we've got our triumphant return to the danger room, and it really drew me to the the fact that it's been a long time since there's really been uh, a dangerous encounter on the Voyager holodecks. Yeah, like it's probably been since the uh, choke uh, fest 10. Th- no, no, no. It was the Nazi uh, simulation with the Herogen that happened more recently. That was the last time the danger room was in full bloom. Yeah. So I think it's cool that we've gone this long without a the holodeck malfunctioning. And even this episode, I wouldn't really say is the holodeck malfunctioning. It's the plot running concurrent and interacting with the holodeck without the holodeck going sentient and, you know, or or dangerously off the rails and harming people. So that's that's a big point in my book that we were able to tell a holodeck story that isn't just the holodecks broken and hurting people. Tom and, and Harry are trying to get off the holodeck. They can't turn the program off, of course, because otherwise we wouldn't have a plot. And eventually they gun down some jabronis that they run into. Um, special shout out to all of the guest actors in this episode. Uh, I guess primarily two, maybe three if you count Satan's robot. Uh, but uh, the Dr. Chaotica and his key uh, henchman, uh, Loznak, are played with the gusto of you know 40s 30s you know sci-fi serial villains that is delicious uh, this guy martin rayner who played uh dr chaotica he never like took off as an actor he's never like been in anything big he's more of a theater guy i think here uh but geez he just goes for the brass ring and it's fantastic we get a whole episode of this guy and it's great yeah, it is. And uh, again, kudos to the fact that uh, the efforts to get off of the danger room, you know, the the off the rails holodeck, the transporter actually working. And that's the one thing we always go to is like, why can't we just transport people out of there? And very frequently have to be like, well, here's some Rube Goldberg reason why. And the fact they were able to just site to site transport out of there for once, much appreciated. So they get out and the ship is stalled on what Bolana calls a subspace sandbar. And they're in astrometrics trying to problem solve how the fuck to get out of this issue uh, where they hand wave the little subspace buttholes that are, have created themselves within the holodeck, of course. Seven was like, nah, nothing, fuck it. Uh, and uh, they have an initial plan of basically going to a dead stop and sort of just trying to like move their way through it. The resistance is building every time that they try to leave and it's has this inverse reaction. So they're like, well, what if we just kind of try and float through without forcing it? Maybe that'll work. I feel like that's a classic Star Trek conundrum too, right? That the harder you push, the harder it is to get out. And sometimes you just have to relax. Like it, I, I believe this is actually, you know, next generation quote it's like a chinese finger puzzle where the the way through the problem is to ease up and let it fix itself um 
the backdrop of astrometrics during this discussion is like this 3D map rotation around Voyager with uh, the anomalies being displayed. I thought this CGI looked really good. And yes, it, yeah, it did. Season five has been a real mixed bag of sometimes the CGI stuff looks real hokey in 90s and sometimes it looks really fucking cool like anything that's like intentional cg graphics i think on a display they pull off really well and the fact that astrometrics is like an imax theater with like you know a 30 foot ceiling or whatever uh really neat effect really neat use of the space and um i'm glad we've got this astrometric set piece for stuff like this while they're trying to figure this problem out two guys appear in the Captain Proton simulation that is still running. Double-breasted and, and single-breasted guy. One guy's got a double-breasted coat on who doesn't talk and gets completely murdered. And then single-breasted guy who, who ends up kind of being the alien that talks. Or as I like uh, to call it, uh, Frank Guy 1 and Frank Guy 2. Did you not get Frank vibes off these guys? Oh, yeah, they I definitely got Frank vibes off. We've got a friend who does uh, Disney Main Street Dandy acting work and these guys are like dead ringers from i thought that was really yeah particularly the one with actual lines <laughs> yeah. I, I would say frank is considerably better looking you know if we're gonna keep it 100 i'm uh, sure frank would be thrilled to know that if if frank was a real friend and listened to our star trek podcast but he isn't because he's because i get it uh <laughs> um so they show up and they've got little scanners and you're like, who the fuck are these guys? And they are accosted by Loznak, the, the hapless and witless uh, sidekick who is uh, expertly played. And uh, they're like, uh, we're just here to make contact with other, uh, other life forms. And uh, the program reacts to them the way you'd expect it to, including like a seize them, you know, and they're arrested and, the music continues to like match everything that's happening on screen. I, the music is so good. I, I, you know, I can't, I, I usually don't notice the music in Voyager, which I think is a neg is a, a huge negative. I think it's mostly unremarkable. So like when it adds so much to what's happening on screen in the way that it does here, it's, it's, it's so refreshing. The premise of this scene is so absurd that I love it. That, two space explorers that are basically you know would be a perfect match and a great pairing to voyager who is also on a peaceful so-called peaceful mission of exploration and science alleged <laughs> well, not when we uh, start show up and start fights for no reason you know at your water planet or whatever the fuck is going on <laughs> try to bomb your infrastructure uh courtesy of our space convict tom um, for these guys to pop in and the entire place that they could have fallen in Voyager and they go into the holodeck running this nonsense and you've got two legit space explorers basically talking to a glorified Furby, right? That's <laughs> right. Like I've been designed to take everything to an aggressive 10 and be a real clown while I'm doing it. Like I love it. I, I love that they're just talking to a magic eight ball with an attitude and that they from this point forward escalate things into an interdimensional war with cartoons. <laughs> They're perfect. like photonic beings. And you know, that's 
that's the conceit here, right? Because that they don't understand the concept of carbon based life. And this happens to be something that they can't understand. So they just completely misinterpreted the situation. It is just enough setup that I don't need to know anything else, right? You know, like, if you're going to give me fluidic space and terrible this CGI is... bug people, I'm I'm okay with hologram people from the hologram dimension talking to hologram Saturday morning cartoons. Um, we flip back into the real world uh, with a nice close-up on what I believe to be smoldering catcher, Lieutenant Ayala himself, right? Indeed it is. And we see that he is not interested in seaweed. He is not. Did you know that yes, Smoldering Catcher Guy has a second role in this episode? I do, because we talked about it the first time we saw Satan's robot. I love yes. it. You get work <laughs> where you can get work. And I'll tell you what, even Satan's robot's more respectable than the rest of the fucking security division on Voyager. So, uh, you know, Smoldering Catcher actor... Uh, Lieutenant Ayala occupies both the number one and number two enforcer spots uh, on the Voyager roster, as far as my book goes. So this uh, the sand barge or whatever the subspace rift they're caught in, not only is it fucking up propulsion and anchoring them to the spot, but it's starting to have some pretty serious effects on the secondary system. Uh, chief among them is that the replicators are down. Janeway comes down looking for coffee. There's a real over-the-top scene where she's like, coffee, coffee, shut up, Neelix. I don't care what you have to say until I have my coffee. We get it. She likes coffee. Silly episode at work, whatever. Uh, and I, it, I, will say, I will say that exchange is where, like, you can tell Kate Mucker decided to give it 150% this week. You know, like, she's 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 super into what she's doing because, sure. you know, sometimes you can tell, like, okay, I'm going to do my job, deliver the dialogue, do the go through the motions, not feeling this one, but I'm going to earn my paycheck. Well, but there are other times where she's feeling it, and it's like you can see, like, she gets the coffee, she drinks it, and she's just – it's subtle – action on the face of like okay what are your fucking problems now you can tell me i am ready to accept this knowledge and it's just ah oh, it's it's just great to watch and this is kind of where it starts to really happen so i don't know where this was in the filming order but if we were to take this at face value you know the last episode being um uh, latent image pretty dark pretty heavy you know a nice brand brand uh, season five someone's in the the trouble barrel right so correct if that was the last one where she had to be the heartless soul lobotomizer you know eater of memories yeah having a light episode to ham it up must feel really nice and i think that's one of the cool things about star trek is you can tell some really heavy drama stories and you can do silly fun shit like this and it's all within the scope of the subject material uh but anyways Things are fucked up on Voyager and they're getting worse. Not only are the replicators down, as Neelix will tell them, and this, again, fun slice of life stuff here, that the entire ship of 150 people has been reduced to four operational toilets. Uh, <laughs> we get some background info that apparently uh, Bolians drop serious heat. <laughs> yes, yes, apparently their shit's stanky. <laughs> And uh, we only have three of the sonic showers operational. Like, that's I got a warehouse I run with like 40 ish people. And I'll tell you, like, even six bathrooms get tied up quick. So 150 <laughs> on four people. You better hope people aren't sitting in the bathroom playing on their pads. 
Yeah, I was about to say, don't let any books in there, man. You know how it can be. You, you got to get padded down. You're not allowed to bring a tricorder to the bathroom anymore. Yeah, you get your business done and get out. And if you're a bully and you flush that shit directly into space, we don't need them. We don't know stinky flush. Lincoln logs. No, no. <laughs> um, so Janeway is like, well, you know what? I'm dealing with real problems. So you can figure out where to put the poo-poos. I'm leaving it to your <laughs> capable hands. And Neelix, you're in charge of taking care of everyone's shit. <laughs> like, you are, you're it. You're the yeah. shit czar. Okay. <laughs> You're the you're the the dookie seneschal, <laughs> <laughs> and Janeway. Uh, apparently, you're not allowed to leave the mess hall with utensils because instead of taking her coveted coffee with her up to the bridge, like she sets it down, and then that dirty ass space cat Neelix like totally fucking like pounces on the the used cup of coffee and like goes chasing her backwash. I just like I won't I won't even drink my wife's half drink cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, come on, dude. Oh man. I'm married When's to her. When's the last time they had like a bad viral outbreak? Because I feel like this is really violating some Starfleet regulations here that the, the... Well, this is the motherfucker who poisoned the ship with cheese. This man does yeah, not care but... about microbes at all. Micro microisms. It's uh two yeah. crew members, one cup. <laughs> Oh, all right. <laughs> Speaking of poops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Don't Google that. No. Save yourself. Uh, so we, we cut back over to the... Um... We go to the bridge. They're going to try their plan of, like, slowly moving through the sandbar, and it, it doesn't work. And then they pick up that there's weapons fire happening on... Uh, the holodeck and they're like what the fuck why is that happening on the holodeck and uh harry's like well the captain proton thing's still running because we didn't know how to turn it off and uh you know they're they double checked of like yeah there's weapons fire coming from there for some reason and uh jane wake tells tuvok to go check out what's going on then just kind of looks at tom and be like go with him <laughs> like obviously you have to go too you fucking you jabroni <laughs> get the fuck down there I also want to point out, not only is the holodeck not off its rails causing the plot, which is, I mean, yeah, they can't turn it off, but it's not like, you know, evil sentient AI is is actively trying to harm the ship. But like the safety protocols are still specifically on and they're still able to have the death ray, you know, in this this weapons exchange that's happening on the, the holodeck still have real consequences for the ship without it involving turning off the safeties, which we kind of lamb blasted in um, extreme risk where uh, where Torres got busted, like turning the safeties off like 50 yeah. times. Why would uh, this be a thing? Why would yeah. you ever be allowed to do that? Yeah. In this episode, the safeties are explicitly on, especially in the even... wake of uh, the Herogen Nazi cosplay episode where you had explosions ripping holes in the deck. The effect isn't that the holodeck is getting blown up so much as just that it's creating this. This conflict is obviously what's causing them not to be able to move. So uh, Tuvok and and Tommy Boy head down to the holodeck and they see that there's just been this ongoing fight in the holodeck where characters that aren't supposed to die are dead, including a Constance Goodhart R.I.P. <laughs> And uh, we we get some great Tuvok dialogue of like, 
are you fucking serious with this shit <laughs> as they go through and Tom's like explaining different parts of the simulation. Um, it's, it's definitely uses Tuvok's dry wits to its maximum potential in a situation like this. Like, how do you make him funny? He doesn't crack a joke, but he does have like those moments of, you know, please stop. Right. He's the straight man. Uh, you yeah, know, he's Tom's, straight man. Tom's the but he's, joker. And I really love the exchange because they come across Satan's robot and Satan's robot is a big metal can with like dryer looks like bender. Yeah. It looks yeah, like bender. Like goofy floppy arms. And it's very clearly a guy inside of there. And as we pointed out already, already it's a smoldering catcher, uh, Lieutenant Ayala who's doing this. So Tom's got to fix his vocabulator and goes in and they got a bunch of like vacuum tubes and shit. And he's thrown out. So, you know, the capacitor is overloaded and this and that. And the, the scene where Tuvok just kind of raises an eye is like your affinity for this vintage technology is impressive. And it's clearly sarcasm, but Tom doesn't pick up on it. And he's like, oh, well, hey, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they end up going to the uh, the the rocket ship. Um, you know, they're getting like this, this, uh, tele, you know, um, uh, like ticker tape you know, messages from the president of Earth of this war between Chaotica and the, quote, aliens of the fifth dimension. And uh, one of them actually shows up uh, the the single breasted suit guy who did not get executed at the first scene. And uh, this is where they have the miscommunication where um, he can't seem to understand that carbon based life is a thing and ends up beating a retreat after Satan's robot like Knox's like sensor or weapon or whatever out of his hand satan's robot by the way is a huge fucking traitor man like to to abandon your cause of chaotica and actually be following the the direction of captain proton like we don't you don't see treason like that without romulans being involved usually so they end up going back to the senior staff meeting where we have the best senior staff meeting well, hold of on. all time oh <laughs> Hold on. You're, you're missing the best line of the entire episode, right? When this alien from the fifth dimension, the photonic being shows up and kind of like has him at gunpoint. Tuvok throws this line out about like, oh, there's no locks on the hatch. And then Tom's like, oh, it was a simpler time. Like, Shut the fuck up, Tuvok. You are the last <laughs> person in the entire Delta Quadrant, if not the entire universe, to criticize anybody about their shipboard security practices. You're going to say that fucking Captain Proton's ship doesn't have any door locks on it. I've never seen a single door locked on Voyager short of the one time Harry had to fucking lock his door to, to go off and pout and fall into space napoleon dynamite's dream trap <laughs> how dare i forget that there was a mention of a locked door i am sorry peter you're right that was critical v'ger please continuity and mm -hmm. i punted on it mm -hmm. i'm glad you caught that that's what i'm here Thank for you. man listen I, I yes you are they go and convene in the senior staff meeting and it is the best senior staff meeting that will ever happen on star trek because this senior staff meeting is Tom Paris having to seriously explain to his spacefaring colleagues what's going on in his in his DM module that he wrote. And you can see how hard it is for all of these actors to keep their shit together while this scene is happening. Like, I would love to know how many takes this took, right? 
Beltran does not look like he can look at the camera. Like he's his feet twice over the course of the scene. He purposely seems to look away from the camera so that he doesn't break in front. He doesn't ruin the take. Right. It's it's absurd to an insane degree. And uh, he's explaining, you know, Chaotica wants to conquer the universe and he has a death ray and a lightning shield and posits like, well, if we can't really communicate with these photonic aliens in an effective way and they're not going to believe us that we're real, then the best thing we can do is just help them beat Chaotica by having Captain Proton save the day the way that he's supposed to. And then they'll just, you know, leave because they're not going to be under attack from, you know, the space Nazi we created. And of course, Janeway is finds all of this completely absurd. And uh, the, like it's reflect any room to fucking <laughs> criticize her bodice ripping mommy's locked in the attic nonsense that she gets into, like ch- chill out, Kathy. And on top of all of it, you know, if we're going to talk about absurd scenarios, the cruise has found itself in fantasy worlds. Like, let's not forget about the time we, held gods at gunpoint in a civil war simulator for the PSP. <laughs> yeah nobody is better than this nobody and also what a shame well i don't know i guess there's different ways to look at it but like a uh tom is very lucky he was not just running a straight up porn right because how awkward <laughs> would the briefing scene be like well you see in this scenario uh the cable guy has to come over to fix the cable and uh that's the end of the plot <laughs> and luckily for the aliens like the, all you did was catch uh chaotica that you didn't show up on voyager a season prior and end up with uh Herogen nazi masturbation fantasy like so much Apparently, though, Chaotica of- killed like 50 of these photonic aliens <laughs> though like he's a fucking guy yeah, you fucking got these guys, man. And they're not like too pulsed about that. Like the alien mentions it and they're like, oh, well, whatever. We better like help these guys out or whatever. No responsibility of like, oh, shit, we killed like 50. Yeah, aliens. like again, you know, talking about uh, Janeway famously skirting any, you know, not that I'm saying that Tom's cartoons killing 15 people isn't a big deal. I'm it it's not on the same level as Janeway forging an alliance with the Borg and uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. With the Borg. And as a result, the Borg killing billions of more people because they were never brought low by species eight, four, seven, two, but still, you know, Tom could be like, Oh God, that's, that's blood on my hands. Nope. Just whatever. Photonic life doesn't matter. <laughs> and the peace out resistance of the briefing, of course, is that they talk about the fact that they need to recruit somebody to play Queen Arachnia, who is uh, to whom Dr. Chaotica uh, is enamored to a significant degree. And that's how they will be able to defeat him in the simulation. And uh, Janeway clearly is trying to like look over to seven of nine. Who I like, thought was oh. going to be a dead, you know, a queen, a, ra- a spider queen with a low cut dress. Like, yeah, obviously that's seven to nine territory. But instead, plot twist, it's Janeway who gets kind of badgered by everybody into being the, the, the spider queen. And uh, she puts up resistance for a half second and then is like, all right, all right, all right. I'm a size four. Give me, give me whatever this costume's <laughs> supposed to be. I'm, I'm in. Let's do this. 
maybe she realizes that she's not better than this, right? Like, just like you said. Eh, all right. <laughs> um, they get the doctor to play the president of Earth. And, it, you know, Bobby Picardo uh, changes his, his appearance. So they'll look uh, at the part, which is apparently a, a tidy little suit with a bowler hat and a patch that says president of Earth. Um, which I idea- love. And the idea here is he's going to negotiate with the aliens of like, hey, let us let us use Captain Proton to defeat Chaotica and then you'll be safe. And, uh, you know, that part works. But the the episode really begins when it's a walk and talk with Janeway and Paris and he's explaining like her character to him or to her. And it's like, yeah, so, you know, you're a movie villain, right? So grandiose language, uh, you know, over the top emoting, uh, be prepared for a double cross of some kind or some sort of backup action uh, up their sleeve. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got your pheromones so you can maybe use that to 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 sway him. Oh, and by the way, here's your costume and <laughs> just her reaction. When she takes the pad from him with the specifications for the costume and just blinks at it. And I just think to myself, like, imagine going to your boss who just recently imprisoned you and demoted you and say, here's here's your sexy spider queen get up. I need you to wear this. Um, I liked. Again, playing within the rules of a the holodeck's working fine but it's still an obstacle. And Janeway's like, you know, I don't care about their guns. Their guns can't hurt me because unlike every other holodeck episode, the safeties are still in effect. And he's like, yeah, I mean, they can't hurt you with the guns, but they can still trap you and detain you. And that will end up being the case with some, um, you know, force field she gets caught in. Uh, But, you know, it's, it's, it's cool foreshadowing and it's, a good use of storytelling elements that are playing within the rules. Um, I'm also reminded too, like it's a shame that we didn't have the thaw clown in here at some point mucking around too. It would have been a really great time just to pull out all the stops for the, the holodeck characters of yesteryear, but uh, they, they keep it pretty straight on this one, man. Uh, and again, Janeway's got no real room, I think to cr- criticize anybody else's holodeck uh, usage, but, Eventually, we get back into the holodeck. We see the scene where um, Chaotica's castle has suffered heavy damages, like a couple of the towers have been blown up, and that this war with the uh, photonic people is pretty serious. As we mentioned earlier, there's like 15 casualties or something from him just shooting this. And again, it's in the realm of the holodeck. It's a terrible mega weapon it's not going to kill any humans because of safeties, but basically they're like shooting fucking death star laser through this dimensional rift and just wrecking shit on the other side, which I mean, that's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> like, and boy, just do not give a fuck, man. Like no culpability, no, no discussion of like, Oh God, these poor photonic people were subjecting them to, to murder at the hands of our fucking not, comic. Not, books. A, not a mention of the no. horrific consequences. Your Xbox a- is a war criminal. Like <laughs> there, that's the title. We found the title of the episode. Your Xbox is a war criminal. Yeah, uh, I'm still rooting for Tom's a metagamer because he's he's cheating hard through this whole fucking thing, man. 
they end up having, you know, a lot of there's a lot more like dialogue between the holodeck characters. There's a lot of it in the episode. It's hard to summarize because it's just great, right? Like it's just grade A hammy bullshit. And uh, you know, the the henchman announces to Dr. Chaotica that the Queen Arachnia has finally uh responded to his letters and has has arrived. And that's of course when we finally see Janeway make her uh appearance on the scene, and she looks fantastic in a slinky skin tight uh definitely spider queen looking dress and of course is maximizing the uh the old style hollywood uh emoting with her body language as she goes around but at the same time having that that moment where you can see in her face and her eyes of like uh, okay this is what i do uh let's see if this works all right i'm gonna try this okay yeah, uh, maybe this is it's a great balance between, yes, I'm I'm playing this role and I'm Catherine Janeway and this shit is fucking weird. <laughs> I have to figure out how to solve this problem. Yeah, but uh, I think pretty quickly the scene establishes that she is, in fact, getting into it. Um, oh, and- yeah, that's the best part at the end is like how into it she got to the point so- where. She tells Chakotay, don't turn the program off yet. <laughs> you know, the the big thing they need to do is drop the in-character uh, shield that Chaotica has around his base. And once that's down, they'll be able to hit his base and, and kill him and, and whatever. So she's really there infiltrating and trying to manipulate the situation. So they drop the shields. She gets busted. She gets uh, zapped, doesn't do anything, but... Then they put the uh, energy rings around her, and then she has to kind of seduce her way out. She uses the pheromone jug to get some of the minions on her side, causes general chaos, and eventually gets the upper hand over Chaotica. Yeah, the the, the my favorite part of all of that interaction is when she thinks she found the line to get him to do it, and the line is that she he wants to marry her. <laughs> And she's she's looking the look on her face like fuck, <laughs> like no, I thought I I thought I finally solved it. I thought I finally reached the end of the module. Damn it, it's it's perfect because you know she keeps trying to find this. Okay, now let the shield down. Okay, uh, let the shield down for this reason, and he keeps finding a reason not to do it. And it's a great interplay, and uh, that's just like we finally think she's like oh, I got it. I got him. To- no fuck. <laughs> I like to cut away to the ship because now it's Harry and it's uh, Paris and you got the doctor and then the doctor's kind of like functioning as part of the crew. And there's the one line where he uh, throws a because he sees like an energy attack coming in on sensors and he's like uh, incoming. And it's like such a meek statement for what's going to be like shit blown up in the ship rocking. Just a lot of good comedy all over the place. When uh, Janeway does pull the top off the jug of pheromones, you got this real hokey mist cloud floating across the set, looking like a fart. Yes. <laughs> Chief Henshin starts inhaling. Um, it's fun seeing old gimmicks like that with uh, updated technology to tell that kind of a story. As noted, the Janeway succeeds in creating chaos and and getting the the lightning shield down, so Captain Proton can assault the death ray and destroy it but as i mentioned they reach the end of the 
simulation and the the danger's over and they can finally turn off the holodeck. But Janeway has has fully embraced her character and is like, no, no, we're gonna keep it running. Keep keeping running, Chicote. We, we're not done yet. <laughs> like, I want to. I'm into this now. <laughs> Janeway's like, I'm in. Char- I'm, in I'm completely icy. Can't bring me out of character yet. I need. I need to get to the end of the. I need to get to the end of the game. Janeway will be damned before she lets some holographic dude, you know, fail to her without her final monologue, rubbing his face in his failures. Rest in uh, peace, Juggle Juggalotech. <laughs> a- absolutely, the Thaw Clown. Uh, and that was something I thought earlier on in the episode. And again, I get it's a Star Trek episode and you have to show the Star Trek characters, but like trying to be in a scene with these guys, like they break characters so much. It's like, God, can we just keep the scene coherent? Like the gamer in me starts coming out like stop going OOC guys. But Janeway, Janeway's full immersion. Janeway gets my respect. I do really like the bleed that we get through uh, where the Janeway personality traits start to override the queen arachnid for a moment you can see like janeway really starting to relish her typical janeway ism uh that's a terrible word i should never use that again (laughs) the first and last time you use that phrase yes it's now retired that's that's not good (laughs) yeah there's Um, a clear line between her trying to be you know arachnia and then like when she kind of like drops it for a second it's 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 right around the betrayal where she shows that you know she's there with a hidden agenda um yeah so it's just it's fun man uh, there's another good line in there where the, i think the doctor and i forget who he's talking to but he is kind of i i think when he's playing up to the aliens about like why they need to trust captain proton uh to help them overthrow chaotic and he drops and like uh he's a competent medic but don't let him don't don't tell him i said that which is kind of neat to see a begrudging respect because usually a doctor's real quick to shit on Tom Paris's uh, medical training. I think we love this episode because, I mean, I love this episode because I'm a LARPer, and this is an episode about LARPing, like more so than any other holodeck episode to date. This is about you know being full immersion and having to s- literally solve the the mod dungeon module to save With the, the exception day. of the Herogen Nazi simulation, which they were unwilling brainwashed participants, and uh, certainly the lightheartedness and the self parody uh, adds to it. It's funny, good funny Star Trek episodes are always a joy to watch. Um, you know, bad ones like kids or rascals or whatever just become a cringe fest but uh this one this one hits the nail on the head now what is fascinating is our good friend kenneth bewilder biller uh had involvement on this i think he was uncredited uh script doctoring not his favorite episode and he even goes so far as to accuse this episode of going too much over the top and for Kenneth Bewilder, who has such gems as a uh, back alley grinder, Tuvok random thought <laughs> to tell you that your episode has gone over the top. That's a real accomplishment. Um, I don't think they went over the top. I, 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 and again, I think had they done anything a little differently, this could have been a fucking shit show. But really, my only criticism in this is that uh, we didn't get to see the Delaney's in those thigh high boots. I think the real tragedy is this is the last substantive use of Captain Proton. 
I mean, I don't know, understand why that ended up being the case, given that this episode is such a fucking winner. I, I get that maybe Kenneth Bewilder thought it was too much. He's fucking wrong. Like, yeah. just flat out. This was just perfect. How many but, Dixon Hill episodes were there, I wonder? You know, there wasn't that many of them either, and they were all confined, I think, to the early part of the show. But... You know, the unless you count in uh, first contact, of course, <laughs> but you know, it, this is there is one more appearance of Captain Proton on the whole of Star Trek. And that is really unfortunate because this made me want more of it. This made me want more. Didn't have to be a full episode about it. Like this can be the only one where they like center the whole story around it, but more of like members of the crew getting into it the same way Janeway does or did, or like even Janeway, like participating in it with some of the crew members and that sort of thing. It would have been cool. Like it would have been this background slice of life thing that you and I always talk about liking. And instead, and this, this is kind of the end of, of using it, which I just don't get because this is fantastic. And anytime they could get this guy playing cap, uh, Dr. Chaotic on screen, like do it right. Like he's well, just, you know, listen, joy. Maybe that's the right way to do it is to end on a high note, leave them wanting, yeah, leave more. Them wanting more. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Instead of just running something into the fucking ground as, uh, you know, Voyager is known to do. So um, overall, great episode. Not too much juicy stuff in the Wikipedia, the memory alpha. Again, I'd be curious to know more about whatever the set fire was that damaged the uh, the bridge. And maybe I'll read up on that or we can talk about it on the trauma support group on Facebook. But uh, good stuff, man. Yeah, like the, the the only unfortunate part for you and me is that it's just a good, funny episode. And that doesn't leave necessarily a lot of like nerdy detail to talk about because the, the, the episode's not trying to go there. It's just a fun romp and it rewards people that are Trek fans that just like to watch good television. This is ultimately what it is. Yeah. Now, speaking of things that are probably a little bit more juicy for you and me. Can you tell us what we're watching next week? Season five, episode 13 gravity. And we see uh, Paris and Tuvok both uh, with their uniforms off. It's interesting because Paris is in like the gray t-shirt uh, under armor t-shirt, but Tuvok's got like this wife beater tank top on. So I don't know what decides what these guys have on under the uniforms. Exactly. A Voyager shuttle manned by Tuvok, Paris, and the doctor is pulled into a subspace gravity well. And you're not going to believe this, Joe. The shuttlecraft crashes. What? Mm -hmm. It crashes on a class D planet that exists within it. What's uh, is class D demon? No, no, that's uh, class Y. Class D is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Probably oh, oh. like barely habitable and a real piece of shit. Chuvok, Paris, and the doctor better hope D doesn't stand for dick or they're going to be in some real trouble. <laughs> Another prison well, I mean, planet. <laughs> not as to say Tuvok, maybe. Tom, Tom will be used to it. I mean, uh -huh. you know, he's, he's been there. I am sad that the stranded crew does not also include Neelix. I feel like Voyager needs more uh tom paris neelix bro opportunities they they started as such a terrible on-screen pairing under the auspice of uh the kess love triangle but you know following the results of uh the jonathan frakes space muppet baby adventure episode like 
there's good opportunity for those guys to get along and it's underutilized. And of course, I love any time we get to have Tuvok and, and Neelix in the same situation because then I get to fucking rant and rave about Tuvix and I know everybody loves that. Remember that season five is when they really started to want to use the doctor more. Uh, it had, seemed they like they long... wanted to use the doctor more since like episode two. Like his role has only grown exponentially each season, I think. Minus the throwaway season four Jerry Ryan extravaganza. It really picks up steam this season. A lot more use of him. Uh, you know, Picardo being the best actor on the show is just too evident at this point. And they really want to make more use of him. And I think it does come at the cost of the kind of situations where you would have like, okay, well, let's have Bolana be there. Or let's have Harry be there. Or let's have uh, Neelix be there. Instead, they try to jam the doctor into everything, which I don't think is necessarily the wrong idea a lot of the time. Because (laughs) he really does usually just add. Uh, But at the same time, I think our appreciation of the doctor through season three was because he was a sometimes food so like when when you got a meaty doctor episode it felt special instead it's gonna kind of really be the the emh and seven of nine show a little bit too frequently from this point forward so it's got good good sides and bad sides i look forward to watching that one with you peter i'm looking forward to man and uh our Viewers can look forward to our Galaxy Quest review uh, coming up here shortly. So happy to say that we we got the recording uh, day for that figured out. In fact, I think we're going to do it here in a couple days. And uh, we'll have that up on Patreon before the end of July. So if you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, you can find us there at V'ger, please. V-G-E-R-P-L-E-A-S-E. Uh, you can subscribe and you'll have an opportunity to listen to that long before anybody else. We appreciate your support. Until next week, see ya.